Our Old Testament lesson this morning is going to come from the book of Nehemiah. We're reading from Nehemiah chapter 1. We're reading Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Now the words of Nehemiah, son of Halsiel, in the month of Chislev, in the twelfth year, the twentieth year, while I was in the Seuss of the capital, one of my brothers and I came with certain men from Judah. I asked them about the Jews that had survived, those who had escaped the captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, the survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the Lord God of heaven. I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and who keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both I and my family have sinned. We have offended you deeply, failing to keep the commandment of the statutes and the ordinances you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that, that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you were outcast and are under the farthest skies, I will gather you from there and bring them to the place where I have chosen to establish my name. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. At the time, I was cupbearer to the king. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may or may not remember Back when COVID started, I spent a lot of time teaching and preaching from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, to us as Christians, is an interesting book, but, but it's not really a book that we probably think a lot about. We know Ezekiel, that, that's that weird book, right? that whole will within a will thing that's happening. Like, you know, we don't really know a lot about it or think about it. When you start your daily Bible reading plan, not many of us are going to start with Ezekiel. It's an Old Testament book that we are probably somewhat familiar with, but we're not experts on it. To the Jewish people, Ezekiel may be the most amazing book in all the Bible. And let me tell you why that's why. First, let's understand a little bit about the Jewish people in the Old Testament. The Jewish people were God's covenant and God's chosen people. They knew they were God's people, and there were three main reasons why they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt they were God's people. The first was the promised land. It was the literal land that they were on. That is how they knew they were God's people. Because let's go back to the call of Abraham. The call of Abraham and early in Genesis, where God calls Abraham. And he, t- and he tells Abraham, leave behind your parent, your father, and your kindred, and go to the land that I will show you. Where's the first thing that God calls Abraham to do? To go to a land, to go to a certain land that God will show him. Now, listen, I think that whole story is amazing because God tells Abraham, he doesn't tell him where he's going. He says, go to a land that I will show you. He does not give him GPS directions. He does not give him coordinates. He says, go, and I'll show you when you get there. Now, some of you know we've been in New York the last week, and uh, if we had not had Thomas guiding us 
through the subways, I would have probably wound up in the Hudson River. Like, I didn't know where I was going half the time if not for my teenage son. I would not have made it. I felt like Abraham and Thomas with the Holy Spirit leading me where I needed to go because I had no clue where I was going. God tells Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. They knew they were God's people because they had land. Secondly, and maybe most importantly, they knew they were God's people because they had the covenant of circumcision. The Bible's full of covenants. A covenant is a promise that God makes between himself and the people. That's what a covenant is. It's always a promise. And every covenant of God has to it a sign. The covenant of Noah. What was the sign of that covenant? The rainbow. So, in Genesis, God calls Abraham to follow him. And in the promises, Abraham, he will have children and descendants. And he make, God makes this promise to him. He makes this covenant. And this covenant has to it a sign. And that sign was circumcision. Circumcision was the sign given to the Jewish people to show that they were the people of God. The circumcision was a sign of that covenant to show they were God. By the way, as Christians... Circumcision was the sign of the old covenant. We are under a new covenant. And what is the sign of the covenant of the new covenant? Baptism. Baptism is for us as Christians the marking of the covenant. In the old covenant, they were marked by circumcision. In the new covenant, we are marked by baptism. That is why those of us who baptize infants... Methodists and uh, Anglicans and Episcopalians and Lutherans and Catholics and others that baptize infants. That's why we baptize them, because just as children were marked as children of the covenant and the old covenant, we mark our children as those born into the new covenant. And just as children of the old covenant had to accept that covenant for themselves, their mar mitzvah, we have children accept that covenant for themselves at their confirmation. So just like circumcision was a sign of the old covenant, baptism is our sign of the new covenant. So they knew they were God's people because they had land. They had circumcision. Three, they had the temple. The temple was built. And in the temple was the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Jewish people believed that the presence of God resided in the Holy of Holies, that that's where God's presence, God's spirit resided. It was so holy that when the priest went to minister there, they tied a rope around his, his foot, lest he were to die, and they would have to pull his body out. No one dared enter the Holy of Holies because that's where God's presence existed. So how did the Jews know they were God's people? They had the land, they had the covenant of circumcision, they had, the circ- they had circumcision, and they had the temple. Well, You go through the Old Testament, and you had Saul's the first king, then David, then Solomon. Then eventually after Solomon, the kingdom splits to a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is conquered by Assyria. Eventually the southern kingdom by Babylon. And Babylon, they wanted to make everybody Babylonian. So what Babylon would do is they would take a lot of your population and move them to Babylon and make them Babylonian. And that's where a lot of these books have to take place in. Daniel takes place in Babylon. Ezra takes place part of it in Babylon. Nehemiah takes place partially in Babylon. They took the Jews to Babylon to make them Babylonian. And while they were in Babylon, 
You know what else the Babylonians did? They wanted to make them Babylonians. So what did they forbid? Well, first, we've already said, they took them out of the land, didn't they? They took them into exile. And Babylon, they would not allow circumcision. And Babylon destroyed the temple on the way out. What were the three things that let them know that God loved them? Land, circumcision, temple. What were the three things Babylon took from them? Land, circumcision, temple. They were devastated. And by the way, that's the context of my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 137, verse 9, where the psalmist says, Blessed are those who take your children and dash their heads against the rocks. That psalm is a psalm of rage and of anger because it starts off when it says this, beside the rivers of Babylon we wept. When we remembered you, O Zion. There our captors said to us, sing to us your songs of Zion. O Zion, how could I forget you? If I forget you, O Zion, may my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. The Babylonians took everything from them. Took everything. Everything that defined them, everything that made them, everything that reminded them they were God's people, they took from them. And the reason why Ezekiel is so amazing is because guess what happened? God still showed up. Even though the temple was gone, God still showed up. Even though they were out of the land, God still showed up. Even though they weren't able to be circumcised, God still showed up. That God's presence and God's goodness is not defined by the land or circumcision or even the temple. But the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. And even though they were in exile and even though everything had been taken from them, God still showed up. I think that's why Ezekiel was such an important book for us during the beginning of COVID. Because COVID in many ways took everything that we loved from us, didn't we? We're Southerners. We like to hang out and eat. What couldn't we do during COVID? Hang out and eat. We're social people. We couldn't gather together for worship like we wanted physically. And that hurt my heart, y'all. I'm a weirdo. I go to church on vacation, okay? It hurt my heart to not be in church last Sunday because when the flight took off, so we were watching worship in the terminal, their Delta Airway Airlines in New Orleans. I missed more physical worship during those months of COVID than I missed my entire life put together. That hurt my heart so much. COVID took so much from us during that season, didn't it? And like the Jews, it kind of made us angry, didn't it? Hurt us. But just like the Jews, you know what else? God still showed up. God was still good. God still blessed us. And though it was a very hard season for our church, God blessed our church. We took in new members. We had some of our best financial years ever. God blessed our church with new people, with new ministries. We were inventive. We tried things. Tim and Alan and Frank probably wanted to murder me with their bare hands. But I said, hey, y'all, let's have church outside in the freezing weather. And they did it. As we're seeing, they're trying to light candles with little cigarette lighters that about burned our fingers off. We tried new things. We did things differently. 
Some of it worked. Some of it failed spectacularly. But we tried. And we found that God still showed up in that season. God still showed up. His presence was not limited to the physicalness of this building or even the physicalness of us gathering together. But just like for the Jews with Ezekiel, God was still present. He was still present for us. But things change for the better. So in Nehemiah, I said, you know, when you're the bully, there's always a bigger bully who comes along. And that's the story of history. So Assyria was the big bully. Then Babylon came. Well, guess what happened to Babylon? Babylon took him into captivity. Guess what happened after Babylon? Then here comes Persia. And that's where Nehemiah comes into play. Of course, after Persia, there was Greece. After Greece, there was Rome. But here we are for Nehemiah. Babylon took them into captivity. Babylon did all this. But here comes Persia, and Persia defeats Babylon. And remember I said the Babylonians? They wanted to make you Babylonian. So they took you off. They wouldn't let you be circumcised. They wouldn't do all this stuff. Persia, Persia doesn't care. Persia's like Rome. They want you to pay your taxes. That's it. They thought the Jews were a bunch of weirdos. They didn't care. Pay your taxes. You want to do your weird Jewish stuff? That's cool. Pay your taxes. That's all they worried about. So here we have with Nehemiah, Persia's come along. And guess what? He gets to go home. He now gets to go home. So he has a buddy come back home. Come back from home. He says, hey, hey, how's, how's everything back home? How's everything back home? And he goes, oh, it's not good. It's different. Walls been burnt, burned down. A city can't survive without a wall. In that day and age, you don't have a wall. You can't make it. You don't have a wall, you're done for. Everything's a mess. Everything's destroyed. Everything. It's not like it was Nehemiah before. Things are different. Things are different. So Nehemiah says this. He prays. And notice his prayer here. I think of something Sam, something Sam Morris told me once. Sam told me, the prayers that God values the most are when we repeat back to God what God said. Because when we repeat back to God what God said, you know what it shows God? It shows God we're paying attention. So what did Nehemiah pray today? pray today? Nehemiah says, God, you told us that if we break your laws and your statutes, then you will punish us and send us as far away. But you also promised us that if we repent and turn from our sins, you will bring us back home. Nehemiah repeats back to God, God's word, and says, if we confess, and I confess my sins, and we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, you will bring us back home. And Nehemiah says this, he resolves, he says, that may God bless me in this moment. Nehemiah does this. He's going to go home. He's going back home. He's going back to Jerusalem. He's going home. And he knows it's a mess. He's going to rebuild the wall. He's going to lead the people to rebuild the wall. We're a different church than we were before COVID. 
We will never be the church post-COVID that we were pre-COVID. And let me, I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about numbers in a second. I'm not talking about that. Everything in the world's changed, hasn't it? We're not going to go back. We can't. There's no way, there's no time machine for us to go back to who we were pre-COVID. The world's changed. Our church has changed. I look around this room this morning and I see a lot of faces that weren't here when COVID started. God has done amazing things in our church. I want to I say on the front end, God has blessed our church with new members, new ministries. Holly and I teach a, a young adult, a young married couple Sunday school class on Sunday mornings. It is the most life-giving thing in my faith right now. I look so forward on Sunday mornings to me and her going to the, our South Building and meeting with these couples that are rated aimed from mid-20s to about 40 or so. It is by far the best, most life-giving thing that I'm part of right now. That didn't exist pre-COVID. A lot of the families in that class either weren't in our church or weren't particularly plugged in pre-COVID. It's a great blessing. God has blessed our church in so many ways in this season. But before COVID, we worshiped about 500 in worship on a typical Sunday. About 500. Post-COVID, we worship about 300 in worship. We've lost about 40% of our worshiping our in-person worshiping community during COVID. We look around, and there's faces that we no longer see. Some have passed away. Some have moved to other churches. Some have, we don't know. And that hurts. And it's important for us to give space to our grief. My wife can tell you, I have grieved much during this season. In fact, sometimes I feel like all I do is grieve. Sometimes it's hard for me to look up and see the sunlight. It's okay to name that. We've got to give ourselves space to name that. It's okay. It's okay. Grief is not the enemy. Grief is never the enemy. We can't heal unless we grieve. We're a different church than we were pre-COVID. It's not good. That's not bad. It just is. But the reality is we've got to rebuild the wall, don't we? It's going to take all of us together to rebuild the wall and to rebuild our church into something better than ever and something God wants it to be. It's going to take all of us. You know, I've heard people, we've discussed these numbers before, and I've had people say, you know, preacher, maybe we should stop live streaming. Maybe, and maybe you know, if we don't live stream, folks got to come back. Well, I know right now there's a group of folk, more than likely, at Nickel Center watching this service. And Charlene runs them out of the cafeteria if they're in there. And I don't want Miss Charlene mad at me. I'll let her be mad at Tim, not me. 
<laughs> we watched worship last Sunday while on vacation. Live streaming technology is a gift. We're reaching new people. I, I talked to a family. I hope he's watching today. Uh, uh, there's, there's a family in our church whose nephew streams us from up north every Sunday. We're kind of his church. God has used these things, so we're not going to stop doing that. But there is something about us being together, plugged in, involved together. And it's going to take all of us. Remember the old style I used to love so much? The average Methodist invites one person to church every 38 years. Say that again. The average Methodist invites one person to church every 38 years. It's going to take all of us to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah led the efforts, but it was the people that were going to explore. The next few weeks, of Nehemiah, we're going to be reading Nehemiah the next five or six weeks. It took all of them together to rebuild the wall. And it's going to take all of us to do this, every one of us. There is no perfect sermon I can preach to rebuild the wall. Believe me, I've tried. It's not there. There's no perfect anthem that Tim and the choir can sing to rebuild the wall. That's not it. It's me and it's you being faithful and being the church that rebuilds the wall. One of my directors, men's spiritual directors, used to always tell me when I'd leave. He'd say, Andy, read your Bible, pray, and stay connected to God's people. And how I've always tried to be faithful in my life, I think this is a way for all of us to be faithful and to rebuild the wall, is to pray, read our Bible, and I like to say, go to church or be the church. And by that, I mean a commitment to, pray, to daily scripture study. If you're not in God's word, you're not going to hear his voice. It's that simple. It's that simple. We make it easy for you. We have the rooted. Every morning, I'll text you a devotion with a Bible study. Every morning. Read the Bible. Pray. That means be intentional about listening for God's voice throughout your day. And being connected to the church. By that, I mean weekly worship, weekly small group, and daily service. The people of God are called to worship. The people of God have to go deeper with small group study. That's where our life has changed. And we have to serve the world and serve each other. Y'all, we were in Manhattan this past week. A lot of things that were interesting about Manhattan, but you know one thing that was surprising? I mean, I'm from the South, y'all. Lack of churches. There are a lot of churches up there on every corner like it is down here. And part of me grieves that because, hey, I'm a preacher. I like churches. No churches, I don't have a job. I like churches. But I see how that part of the world is becoming a little, is not as, churches are not as prevalent. We live in a world that's becoming, what the word is called post-Christian. We live in a world that's changing. But y'all, just like I pray every Sunday, use this to upbuild your kingdom, I believe we can still win the world back for Jesus. I believe that. I believe we can still win the world back for Jesus. But the way we're going to win the world back for Jesus is living and loving like Jesus. If we live 
and we love like Jesus, we can change the world for the kingdom of God. Let me say that again, in case you didn't hear it. If we live and we love like Jesus, we can change the world for the kingdom of God. But it's going to take us making that commitment to do it. Tim Keller, one of my favorite preachers this morning, said, atheism is not the greatest danger to Christianity. Christianity, Apathy is. It's going to take you and me and all of us being committed. And together, we can rebuild the wall. Together, we can make our church into what God's calling it to be. Something better, something more beautiful, something more amazing. Together, we can do it. But it's going to take all of us. Not just me, not just Tim, not just the choir, not just the staff, not just the leadership, but everyone, great and small, big and big and not big, old and new, all of us, together, as we see through Nehemiah, when the people of God are committed to that vision and that mission, they can change the world and rebuild, rebuild the wall. And that's our calling, but it's going to take us all. It's going to take us all. All of us. Y'all know I love a, I love a takeaway or, 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 a, or a kind of a, 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 a little symbol. I love a symbol or something like that. I always like to give things or do things or make commitments. Um, I wanted us to have something to take with us today as a commitment to rebuild the wall. Originally, I wanted to get just a big old pallet of bricks right here in the middle of the sanctuary. Um, Tim didn't like that idea because you might not like, that, might, might not like my sermon. I might throw it at me. And that could mess up the floor. We don't, so we don't want to do that. Might, killing me might not be bad, but we don't want to mess up the floor. You know, you could, because you can always get a new preacher, but like getting the blood off the floor is just, it's not worth the trouble. So we decided not to do that. So I thought about take, what could we do? So we, I didn't get a power of bricks. We got little bitty bricks here, actual little bricks. So this from a friend of mine, her son deployed overseas. And so what she did is she gave a little army men to all of her friends. You take the little army man and put it all over your house. When you saw the little army man, you were supposed to stop and pray for her son who was in, who was in Iraq. So I have these little bricks here. During the altar call, and, and I want to I speak especially to St. Matthew. If you're a guest, we'd love for you to participate in this. You're more than welcome to. But I want to speak specifically to St. Matthew's members and people who have been here for a while. If you're willing to commit, if you're willing to commit to do your part, to rebuild the wall, I want you to come take a brick. During the altar call, I want you to come take a brick and commit to do this. But let me be honest here. When I do confirmation conversations with kids who are making commitments to follow the Christ, I actually usually try to talk them out of it. I'd rather a kid say, no, I'm not ready, than say yes and not mean it. If you aren't willing to or ready to make that commitment, that's okay. That's okay. I want us to be truly committed to this because that's what it's going to take. Y'all, it's not going to be the perfect sermon. It's not going to be the perfect anthem. It's all of us. It's going to take all of us. But if we're committed to this, 
We're committed to being faithful in our daily spiritual life, being faithful in our worship, being faithful in our inviting and our evangelism, to reach out to folks we hadn't seen, the faces we don't see this morning, as well as the folks that aren't in church. Because, y'all, there's a lot of lost folk out there that don't know Jesus. And we're the church. I want to focus not just on folks who aren't here, but focus on folks who've never been here. And let them meet Jesus. But it's going to take me, it's going to take you. It's going to take all of us. But together we can do it. Just like in Nehemiah, together we can rebuild the wall. And God can make something beautiful out of these people. Because he already has. He's already gave us something beautiful. And the beauty will continue. So today, will you commit? Will you be part of what God wants to do here? Will you help us rebuild the wall? Let's pray.